This week on episode 465 of Priority One, we trek out Colber's focus on mental health, Goldsman's tease of Picard season two, Jack Quaid's initiation into Trek stardom, loads of gossipy good gossip things, and a teeny tiny set that looks a lot like TNG's bridge. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 465 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, June 16th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 19th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our chief engineer, Skiffy. Hello, everyone. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, this production would not be possible without the support of our patrons, fans like yourselves, who understand that producing a show like ours is not inexpensive. I don't really want to talk to you about our Patreon page today. I want to encourage you to spend your funds supporting organizations that support social equality, reform, and fight injustice in the United States and abroad. So if you have a few extra dollars to spare, we are working with the Movement for Black Lives, an organization that collects funds, and then distributes them to other organizations that are in need of financial support. We'll have links to an Act Blue donation page available to you in the show notes. Please consider donating. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. What would it feel like to be resurrected? Pulled from the clutches of death, returned into the land of the living. The wholly unusual event must be disconcerting, being one of the few people pulled from eternal oblivion. Just ask Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Worf, Wesley Crusher, Janeway, Picard, and Dr. Hugh Colber. Wilson Cruz, the actor who portrays the resurrected Dr. Colber, not McCoy, discussed the effects of breathing again in Yahoo Entertainment's The Talk. Cruz told The Talk that he didn't originally know his character was going to be killed, but was glad to receive a call shortly after to reprise the role. 
During those conversations, Cruz made it clear that he didn't want Colbert's death to be meaningless. You know, so many times we see these LGBT characters, especially gay characters, killed off on our series, and there's no cost, as if it never happened. And I wanted there to be growth in this. He needed to have learned something from this. We all did. So I was excited about the epic way he was brought back. Cruz continued, dropping a few hints about what to expect in Discovery's third season. I'm more excited about how he's grown in season three, how he has used this experience to kind of inform the way that he works on the ship. And so we'll see more of how he works as a doctor, but also how he's taking into consideration mental health. For a link to the clips, be sure to check out our show notes. Jake has helpfully put in a list of all the people that have come back to life here. And I was curious about his inclusion of Worf and Wesley on that list until I remembered that they are both stabbed by the pig soldiers in that Q episode. Oh yeah, the French Legion pig soldiers. Yeah, so <laughs> so that, I, I found that to be a helpful reference. Uh, thank you, Jake. Yeah, that was nice because I was like, when did McCoy die? The amusement park. Uh, oh thing. yeah. Uh, Scotty got killed by a robot, the, uh, by Nomad. Mm-hmm. How many episodes transpired between the time Colbert died to when we find him back in the Mycelial Network. Does anybody remember? And the reason I ask that is because I'm wondering if his return was really a response to the outcry from the community. I mean... Seems likely. Right? I mean, it was in season one when Ash realized who he was, right? Uh, So it was before the finale, right? So it was episode 10 or something. And then he came back in like episode five of... Yeah, I think that's about right. Season two of... Yeah, uh, something like that. It was not quite a textbook, what's called, quote, fridging, where you kill off the gay character or the romantic. Usually it's a woman. You kill off the romantic lead uh, of someone for motivation for the main character, the quote, quote, main character. It was almost textbook, almost, because they set up a conflict between Stamets and uh, Tyler that way, Ash Tyler that way, yeah. So it was almost textbook. And so, yeah, I imagine bringing Cruz back and, and having him yanked out of the mycelial network was probably a response to people going, excuse me, hello, <laughs> see that thing you did there? That was lazy. Don't do that. Wilson Cruz wasn't the only Trek insider to talk about the future of a Star Trek series. Writer, director, showrunner, and now prolific video interviewee Akiva Goldsman discussed Star Trek Picard's first season and what we might expect going forward. Goldsman told IndieWire's Christian Blauvelt that the introduction of Altian Inigo Sung, who killed my father and should prepare to die, played by the incomparable Brett Spiner, served a bigger purpose than simply moving the narrative. We all knew that this Sung character had been in our head canon when it came to the season anyway, but, you know, we want more Brett, and we wanted to create a platform for which there could be more Brett in ensuing seasons. In regards to the introduction of the Riker-led Starfleet Armada in Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2, Goldsman acknowledged, quote, We knew that bringing in that fleet was a little bit of a promise, and so we tried to be thoughtful about it. The video interview ends there, but in the article that accompanies the video, Goldsman is quoted as saying, quote, Especially as we go forward, we're going to start making statements about really what the world of Starfleet, at least technologically, if not socially and culturally, these are the things that are likely to get a little bit more play than they did in Season 1, in what was essentially a story about somebody who is outside of Starfleet. End quote. For more on the development of Picard's first season, including the inspiration for the 2390 ship design, be sure to check out the link in our show notes. You know, I had a very hard time accepting that Brent Spiner was yet again playing 
another character, another Sung character kind of thing. Here's the thing. It was probably one of the most Star Trek things to do. Very much. Right? For an actor like that to take on a role that is part of a family member or whatnot. And and Brent Spiner has done it before, right? We, he did it in Enterprise. He did it playing both Data, Lore, and Noonien Sung on TNG and now in Picard. Perhaps I'm just feeling in a warm and fuzzy mood. But now that I think back on it, I'm thinking, yeah, that was really like a Star Trek thing to do. But there's a part of me too. There's the part of me, the 2020 part of me that goes, oh, that's so tacky. Why couldn't they do something else? You know, like, uh, that's not really good television. You know, I don't know. Well, are you worried he's going to become the nutty professor? Is that what you're trying to avoid? Maybe, I guess. It seems like it was a shortcut. It could be perceived as a shortcut. I like where you've come to because that's where I wound up is that if there's going to be a guy named Soong, they're going to get Spiner to play it, and everyone's just supposed to suspend disbelief, wink and nod, and just go on with it, right? Like, hey, here's a picture of my great-great-great-grandfather. Wow, he looks just like you. Anyway, back to the flux capacitor problem we have. Right. It's, I think it's a thing now. It's a, it's a trope and one we should embrace. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. Are you excited to see more Starfleet in Season 2 of Picard, or would you prefer the second season to focus on something else entirely? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post via our social media channels like Facebook or Twitter. Looking forward to seeing any ship that wasn't copy and pasted. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So Jake put a clip in there. He, they, Someone asked him about the design of, uh, of, the, of the ship that got copy pasted a million times. Well, you know, I mean, we do a lot of all the things that you would imagine. We look at the designs, we look at what's come before, we sit around, we sort of try to f- talk about aesthetics, we feel what we feel when we see them, we see what assets we have in the computer. I mean, it, it, it is exactly the combination that you would imagine. <laughs> so it's essentially a confession that that thing was kit-bashed, probably out of pieces from Star Trek Online. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. what's What do we got laying around that we could just go with and then copy a hundred times? Now, do you want to hear why this is a good thing? Oh, tell, do tell. Because it means that all of us could be Starship designers. We've got stuff in our computers, too. (laughs) All of us already are. If you're involved in Trek, no matter what else you're working on or promoting, you will talk about your Trek involvement. And Jack Quaid had his first lesson in this. The star of the upcoming animated comedy Lower Decks sat down with entertainment publication Gold Derby to promote season two of the popular Amazon series The Boys. And as sure as the sun rises, Star Trek was addressed. Quaid, who plays Lower Decks Ensign Brad Boimler, admitted he wasn't sure about a release date, telling Gold Derby, I don't know when it's coming out. I know I've reported most of my stuff for it. It's a new Star Trek show. It's animated. It's from Mike McMahon, who was one of the writers on Rick and Morty, and he's freaking hilarious. Like the aforementioned McMahon, Quaid stressed the comedy is for both Trek fans, like the self-proclaimed Trek nerd Gold Derby reporter Kevin Jacobson, and non-Trek fans, quote, If you are a huge Star Trek nerd, you're going to get a lot of the references and, and a lot of the deep cut jokes. But I think even if you're new to it, I think it's something really cool to introduce you to the Star Trek universe as well. Like me speaking personally, I didn't know a ton about it when I got cast. I had seen the J.J. Abrams movies, but now I'm like into it. Good for him. Oh, my God. He really is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. That's awesome. Why isn't that guy in a live action show? 
I mean, for God's sakes, that's not a face you put behind a microphone. What does he look like? I, now I have to look at him. I have no idea, but he's the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Man's probably no slouch. He's a handsome devil. Oh, my God. He is handsome. Well, I'll be. Yeah, surprise. I mean, come on. Why, why, why is that guy doing cartoons? All I'm saying is he should have been in the uh, Independence Day sequel. But yes. again, that movie yes. wasn't very good, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's better for his career that he maybe wasn't. it's better he's not, yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of Hollywood gossip, let's talk some more. For this article, we head back to the questionable We Got This Covered website for our next story. So be sure not to take this gossip as gospel. If you remember back in episode 460 of Priority One, we told you about the rumored casting of a young James T. Kirk for the upcoming Pike Spock number one series titled Strange New Worlds. This week, We Got This Covered has doubled down on that rumor claiming that not only are they casting Kirk for the series, but that he may also be bisexual. According to the site, quote, Trusted insider Daniel Rickman has revealed on Twitter that sources are telling him Kirk could end up being portrayed as a bisexual in Strange New Worlds, end quote. Rickman's tweet, which is dated June 13th, reads, quote, Heard they are toying with the idea of making Kirk bi in the new series, end quote. You may be surprised to find out that the original Kirk, William Shatner, had an opinion on the matter. On June 14th, Shatner tweeted, quote, I suppose some of you want my reaction to this article from the never heard of them before and clickbait rules site on their scoop on a bisexual Kirk. If CBS, Alex Kirkman, and Star Trek decide to make Kirk bisexual to align with cancel culture presentism, then it's okay by me, end quote. In case you just tuned in and missed the fact that we emphasized that this is in fact just rumor and gossip, this is rumor and gossip, but it sure is fun to talk about. The links, as always, will be in our show notes. I think totally plausible. Uh, yes. Plausible, but I just don't care. I mean... I know. I'm like, why does it even matter? Why do we even need Kirk? We don't need Kirk. More Pike. Yeah, that, that number one, yes, that. But number two, that whole kissing aliens every week thing, that was that's overblown anyway. It's another example of lazy writing. Kirk's one-dimensional. He likes to kiss all the aliens. Come on. He's like the Richard Dawson of space. <laughs> Perhaps that would make him species sexual? I don't know. But it is important to talk about it, and it is important that these characters may be a little reinvented in 2020. Um, I mean, we joked a few moments ago about how Kirk, you know, in, in, in meme culture hooked up with anything that walked. Yeah, doesn't that mean he's trisexual? Try anything. Try but Technically, whatever. he's probably pan, but that's beside the point. The point is, <laughs> is that this guy's going to be a guest star for one show, probably. They're going to have a young Kirk comes to the Enterprise episode and they're already devoting brain power and horsepower to, to this one thing but here but let me tell you why we care though we care because there are people watching Star Trek who are underrepresented right for me my desire is to see more Latinos in Star Trek a Latino captain a Latino primary character in a primary storyline in Star Trek and we got some of that in Picard which was very exciting here we're talking about having here it's about queer representation and that always matters i don't think tony meant it as and and i i don't mean to put words in your mouth but i don't think you meant it as like oh who cares it's more like 
this shouldn't we shouldn't have to be talking about this this shouldn't be something that needs to be defended this should just be a story and this should be about representation you're not wrong hang on let me but let me back this up a little bit you're not gonna get that what you're gonna get is someone has decided that this is a vehicle and they're gonna have that vehicle it's very one into my mind it's very one-dimensional if that's something you want to do do what they did with Culber. Acknowledge that you made a mistake with an underrepresented character and then fix it via Star Trek magic. We brought him back. We screwed up. We didn't give the character that treatment that everybody, that people want. We made it one-dimensional. We turned it into a trope. I think I see what you're saying. You're talking more about let's get inventive and not... Yes! This is lazy. I, yes, I th and I agree. I think that speaks for this method of storytelling approach for Star Trek, that we keep... They feel that they have to keep bringing back these these characters when they don't, right? They really don't. We should have new Latino characters, new characters that represent LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community, more characters of color, more characters that in real life today in 2020 are marginalized, right? We haven't seen that, you know, we just haven't. And so I can see what you're saying that this does feel like lazy writing, and I agree, it does. There's no real need to bring back Kirk in the first place. Let's tell a story. Let's tell a different story. I wholeheartedly agree on there. But it's important that it not be dismissed, right? It's important that we that people are represented in a creative and inventive way. Right. It's not the fact that someone is bi or tri or whatever. It's just that it's Kirk. That's not necessary. You don't need to. You don't do need that. to bring back Kirk at all. It could be, it could be, yeah, it could be any, anybody else. And because of that, they've already announced this is going to be episodic content. And if my prediction is, remember, this is all rumor anyway. And my prediction based on the rumor, we are way out in left field now. My prediction based on the rumor is this is going to be a very special episode of Star Trek where young Kirk comes to visit the Enterprise for a week and it learns us and gets to know Pike or whatever. And then they're going to throw this in on top of it. And then we'll never see him again because they've already said it's episodic. So this will be that standalone episode. So if, if yeah, this is, it's just like, oh yeah, we can do that too. And we can do this too. And we can cram it all in there for an hour and then we're never have to do it again. So it's short treks, but long. Short treks, but long, right. Sethi and Rosen. Yeah, I like what you said there. Kirk's going to do what Kirk's going to do. <laughs> I guess that's uh... always been true though, right? That's, 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 that is a universal constant. That's... <laughs> can we all just agree that Kirk's sexuality pales in comparison to Commander Riker's? I mean, yes. pales. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, he, yeah. yeah, he was, Wrecker was pan before it was cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Kids, just remember, take that from your Uncle Tony. Well, he said it before and we'll say it again. Star Trek fans are the best. Don't believe us? Then obviously you haven't seen the video posted to YouTube by Jeff Collard. On June 7th, Collard shared a walkthrough of the TNG bridge. Other than the slightly clunky turbo lift doors, the set looked impressive to say the least. It became much more impressive, though, when, in a twist ending, the video pans out to reveal that the set is actually a 115th model replica. In an interview with the BBC, Collard says it took him over 500 hours to build, noting, quote, Well, in this lockdown, it was a perfect thing to get on with, really. I was loving it, actually. I was, I was working here till about 7 o'clock at night. My wife was getting fed up. She's going, you spend more time doing that model than you do doing no wondering work. Time wasn't the only investment made by Collard. He noted, quote, I had to check of all the, all the time I spent on it, and it worked out at uh, £17,000. For more of Collard's impressive work, check out his Facebook page or at the website modelmakers.com. Yo, have you guys seen this? This is insanity. It fooled me. 
for about the first minute and a half or it fooled me. It fooled me up until they started to pan back and I was like, holy crap. He made cuts that were weird and I was like, why, do you, why did he stop that? Why did he fade out and transition there? And then he started walking around the bridge and I was looking at some of the paneling. I was like, oh my God, it's a dollhouse. And then, and then I fast forwarded to the end and when he pulled it back, I'm like, it was a dollhouse. But for the first little bit, I was like, this is some really weird computer animation. It's so clunky and choppy. Is he having a render problem? What's going on with this? And uh, now here's what interests me most about this interview too, is that his wife says you're doing, you're spending more time on this than, than real work. Now I'm worried for the guy that his, you know, if he has a day job, they're going to be like, so what have you been doing at, uh, for the last uh, three months, sir? Can you please uh, give us a rundown of... Do, do you know what his real job is? Making models. Oh, get out of here. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's his real job. And so this is like... This is a tax write-off. Well, you know, he's taking work home with him. That's why his wife was mad. Uh... <laughs> oh, I was like, maybe he's like, yeah, I'm like, what are your hours if you're working till seven at night? That's not like my normal work hours. <laughs> it says it took him 500 hours to build. Okay, now we have to work this out now. It takes him 500 hours to build. 17,000 divided by 500 hours. He charges 34 pounds an hour, which is about 50. He charges like, that's about maybe 50 bucks. That's about 50, he charges 50 bucks an hour to make models. I mean, that's all right. That's pretty good. To make to make models, that's not bad. Okay, I will I will charge fifty thousand dollars to create shadow boxes. Uh, submit your requests for shadow boxes valued at fifteen thousand dollars to Elio at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I am taking orders now. <laughs> fifteen thousand dollars. Just saying. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's talk about the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, a week has passed since we published our editorial, Silence Speaks Volumes. As of this recording, Cryptic has not yet announced plans for actionable support of social equality or even a statement of support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Nor have they replied to our editorial, nor have they responded to a private message from Elijah to contacts at Cryptic and Perfect World. This is unfortunate. However, we've been delighted and even a little bit humbled by the response to the post on our website. But truth be told, it wasn't uniformly supportive. It's likely some folks think maybe there's really no point in calling on Cryptic, a video game company, to issue a public statement on racism. And even if they did, it wouldn't be real anyway, just performative allyship and corporate wokeness and warm fuzzies. And even if there was a donation or a sponsorship, it would only be a token gesture with no follow-through that actually addressed the underlying problems. You know, now that I think about it, I mean, who are we to even address this topic? I mean, a Latino, a white woman, a Native American, and a bunch of white dudes. I mean, who do we think we are lecturing people about how black lives matter? And come on. This is a game podcast, a podcast that has enjoyed years of privileged access and a cozy relationship with a company whose game we covered exclusively. I mean, the unmitigated gall we have to jeopardize that status and that access. On the other hand, maybe the days of not my problem are gone now. Maybe the idea of see something, say something needs to apply to civil rights violations too. Maybe we've all been a little lazy and complacent and we bear some responsibility for letting things get to this point. The point where the 2024 bell riots from Deep Space Nine are an actual possibility. Remember, for all the positive vision of the future that Trek holds, Gene Roddenberry predicted a resurgence of eugenics and a third world war before we get to the utopia part. Bottom line, we firmly believe that our call to action is 100% in our lane. 
when it comes to the world of Star Trek, and Cryptic Studios in particular, because once upon a time, the Star Trek Online dev team handed out postcards called Elios, not Elijah's, as a reward for good work, because we spent nine years telling them when they've done well and when they've missed the mark. Because Gene didn't leave a roadmap to the stars where the content of our character always means more to the people in power than the color of our skins. We've got to build that road ourselves. And it starts by telling your friends that they need to pick up a shovel and join the line. Just do something, because the days of doing nothing are over. Captains, this has been an interesting week for us here at Priority One, but it pales in comparison to what others experience from day to day. I am fully aware of the privileges that I'm afforded as a light-skinned Latino. I'm also very familiar with microaggressions that creep up in my experiences in retail when I was working in retail, my experiences in theater, which I still do quite often up until COVID-19. But more importantly, the privilege that I'm afforded becomes a responsibility to support and raise the voices of my brothers and sisters of color whose voices on a daily basis are suppressed. Priority One Podcast, as I've said time and time again, is comprised of volunteers from around the world. Nobody gets paid. We don't have thousands of dollars in a budget to hire a PR representative or lawyers. Tony and Kat both donate their time to review some of our statements, to review some of our projects and plans. So we, as a community-driven podcast, need to use the tools at our disposal to raise the voices of those whose voices are suppressed. I think about my little cousin, I think about my uncle, who, to get a little personal here, are more like my brother and my nephews, who are much darker than I am. I was raised with my uncle, practically. I think about them. I think about my little cousins and and their future as dark-skinned Latinos. The world is not safe for them, nor is it safe for my brothers and sisters of color. Star Trek, in its DNA, is encoded with a desire and the need to support social justice, reform, and to fight against inequality, fascism, and imperialism. So I appreciate everyone's patience as we work through the responses from the editorial, as we work through how best to elevate the voices of people of color. We're open to suggestions. Just the other day, another Star Trek podcaster, The Q Continuum, had suggested, hey, put a link in that editorial about where to donate and spe- instead of spending Zen. Just a remarkable idea, a great idea. And I, nor anyone on this team, is arrogant enough to presume that we know exactly what's best. We do what we can with the resources at our disposal. And one of those resources is this microphone. And I, as a light-skinned Latino who is afforded privileges that my darker brothers and sisters do not have, I will use this platform to make people aware and to make a call to action. This is a very important year. It's an election year here in the United States and things need to change. I want my friends to feel safe. I want my family to feel safe. I want you all to feel safe, but we hope that you'll join us. We hope that you'll support us. And we hope that this is something that you can get behind. And yes, during that weekend that you log off of Star Trek Online, consider donating to an organization like the ACLU or to the Movement for Black Lives. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. We hope that we can make an impact. And that's all I have to say about that. So say we all. Well, that wraps up gaming news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. 
Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, where do you think Prime Lorca is? Do you want to see him in future Trek? Tyler Maxwell writes in on PriorityOnePodcast.com. So according to Star Trek Online's own Discovery Missions, Prime Lorca was last seen aboard the Baran when it was attacked by the Klingons over Pryor's world. And Mirror Lorca ended up in the escape pod, right? There are several possibilities then for the fate of Prime Lorca. The first is that Mirror Lorca beamed aboard the Baran, killed his counterpart, and destroyed the ship and crew to cover his tracks. No Prime Lorca in that one. The second is that when Mirror Lorca beamed aboard, Prime Lorca was also somehow transported to the Mirror Universe, where he either end up in that reality's Baran, which was blown up by Emperor Georgiou over the Prior's world, or he also ended up in an escape pod, which was likely picked up by the Terrans who probably killed him. In both instances, he did. Or perhaps he somehow ended up on the Mirror Prior world, or one of its empty moons. So if any of the new shows can figure out something from that mess, sure, Prime Lorca can come back to Trek. Also on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Stephen Best writes in and says, The mirror Gabriel Lorca we saw in Disco Season 1 arrived in our universe in an accident involving an ion storm. When we saw this happen previously in the original series, it involved a switch with counterparts in our universe. Therefore, I think the Prime Buran ended up in the mirror universe. As much as I'd love to see Prime Lorca on Discovery, and all the interesting dynamics that would entail, the Discovery is now far in the future. Sounds like Section 31 and Philippa Georgiou will have to mount a rescue attempt and bring Captain Lorca and any surviving crew of the Buran back home. P.S. The theory means that Lorca sacrificed his crew when he destroyed the Buran, not a Starfleet crew. Probably so none of them could ever reveal his secret and nobody could realize the Buran wasn't Starfleet. What a guy. I disagree. Whatever. <laughs> well, just remember that in all this stuff, it was we have an unreliable narrator, right? Because didn't who do we learn this from? Who did we in the in the discovery? Who did we learn this from? All what right, Mary Lorca. Oh, so Lorca himself. Yeah. Unreliable narrator solves a lot of problems that way. I like uh, queer triple writes in the chat. Or he was saved by Daniels and becomes a temporal agent. Yay! I love it. Thank you. Time queer travel. <laughs> the other great, the, the other great uh, sci-fi trope that we can rely on to fix just about anything. Yeah, and he won't cause any trouble as a time travel agent. Nope. No, no not at all. Well, on Twitter, Duncan Idaho writes, Number one, he's having magical adventures across the universe with a tardigrade. Duncan, Duncan, you've got to illustrate that. You've got to <gasps> illustrate. you got to illustrate. Please, I would totally Prime Lorca. want that with, on a t-shirt. I'd wear it every day. You've gotta, yeah, you've got to <laughs> illustrate Prime, Prime Lorca on top of, like, mounted on the tardigrade. Like a horse? Like he's riding, like a horse, yes. Like he's riding the tardigrade. Okay. Well, number two, I think he'd be a great character to pull in Discovery Season 4 if they use him to reflect on how the environments shape. I don't understand this. Number two. How environment, I mean, I mean, it's how environment shapes your personality, how environment shapes your Your circumstances? Circumst- yeah. Uh, well, okay, so I think that's what Duncan Idaho means, but he's... Is this a nature versus nurture? Yeah, yeah it's he's a saying nurture he experiences great pain and strife. Uh, on travels, but chooses not to become Mira Lorca. And that is a great, I would totally watch that. On Facebook, Zarkon writes in, 
There's more than one mirror universe. There's also parallel universes from parallels. Also on Facebook, Mark Jenkins writes, I thought Prime Lorca was killed when he switched with Mirror Lorca. As I understand it, the ISS Charon destroyed the ISS Baran as the Ion Storm struck the ship which caused the switch. The ISS Baran was destroyed moments later, so I'd assume he was killed with the Mirror Crew. Would I like to see him again? No. Jason Isaacs is a good actor, but that chapter is done. It's not something that needs to be reopened. I assume that Strange New Worlds will take place after the events that led to the USS Discovery traveling forward in time, so there should be no possibility for us to encounter him if he's dead. Well, that wraps up episode 465 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all. And of course, share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald. And here's a reminder of our community questions this week. Are you excited to see more Starfleet in season two of Picard? Or would you prefer the second season to focus on something entirely different? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. But if you are craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters and me and the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, except not next Saturday, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you cannot make a financial contribution, help spread the word about this show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer Jake Morgan and associate producer Shane Hoover, with support from Advisory Panda of the Priority One Armada. Together, they help organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony Cox. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, June 16th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June... Oh, wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> June 916th? First of all, it's not June 916... It's actually 916H. Yeah, it's in Hexagon. I knew this month had gone on for a long time. Yeah, it's I been mean, a long is... month. Yes. This is a light Elio. I have to get. I'm. Elio. This is Elio. Trek it out, sync one. This is Cat. Trek it out, sync two. This is Tony. Trek it out, sync three. This is Skiffy. Trek it out, sync four. You know what it is? I got to change Elijah from all these documents too. Yeah, just read the copy, man. Just read the copy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been systematically. Just do a find and replace. Oh, thanks. That's right. a good Trek idea. Trek it out in three. Remember that time? Was it, weren't you guys there when I did that find and replace and I like screwed up the entire document? It was like, oh man. No, but I remember Somebody's that time Jake remember. deleted our entire Google Drive. That I do remember too. <laughs> anyway. All right, check it out in three, two. And the time Lennon deleted our Google Drive. Oh, that's there. How you get there? How about that? This is Elijah. See? Damn it! This Old is habit. El Elio. El Señor Elio. Uh, closing in three. No, or we, can, we can finish sinking. We can oh, finish sure. sinking. We're supposed to sink. Sorry, this is Elijah. Sink one. Elio, sink one. Ah! This is Cat. Ah! Sink two. This is the third host. Sink three. This is Skippy. I've never said anything in this segment anyway, but sink four. <laughs> closing in three, two. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.